The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Welcome to the second episode of Dietary Requirements and thank you for joining us. As usual, I have the spin-off's food editor Alice Neville with me in the studio. Kia ora Alice. Kia ora Simon. But unfortunately, co-host Sophie Gilmore is at a cooking school in Ireland. She's learning how to make soda bread and potatoes, and later in the episode we'll actually dial into County Cork to talk to her. But in her place, we have two wonderful guest presenters, Rebecca Smith and Darius Lulaye. That's it. Got it. They're the owners and the beautiful faces at the front and back, respectively, of Auckland restaurant Casador. Thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. The spin-off food section wouldn't be here without our wonderful sponsors and Dietary Requirements is brought to you by Freedom Farms and Fine Wine Delivery Company. Freedom Farms believes that everyone who eats meat has a responsibility to know how that animal has been farmed and they're dedicated to providing you with the best pork, free-range chicken and eggs. This week we're eating an array of their delicious sausages and you can check out all their products at freedomfarms.co.nz. The Fine Wine Delivery Company is all about bringing you the best wine, beer and spirits at the best price. And if you're in Auckland, their superstores are on Lun Ave in Mount Wellington and Constellation Drive on the North Shore. And today we're trying some of their favourite beers from last weekend's Beervana. And we've got some beautiful Pinot Noir to go with something special that Dariush has cooked us. Check out all that they have to offer on their, on their website, finewinedelivery.co.nz. But Alice and I were really lucky on Monday to be hosted by uh, Rebecca and Darius um, in a really cool but quite uh, confronting evening at Casador. We uh, gathered with a big gang of the hospitality industry to remember Anthony Bourdain and use his legacy as a vehicle to think about uh, mental health in the hospitality industry in particular and hopefully raise some money for Lifeline. What inspired you guys to put that on and why, why is it so important? Um, I think it was just a, a bunch of people that were all affected by it, just getting together and wanting to um, sort of honour honor the um, legacy he left behind and, and also yeah, 
bring light to the um, the less talked about um, side of hospitality and, and I suppose all workplaces, which is mental illness. Because it is a pressurised industry and it is um, one famous for being a little bit of a roller coaster, lots of good times and, you know, both as... Uh, employees but as owners of restaurants quite a stressful industry have you encountered firsthand people or even yourselves um suffering from mental health issues uh yes to both um you're right it is a pressurized industry and there are some um, riveting highs and some pretty um desperate lows at times and i don't think there'd be many people that you speak to um, in the kitchen um, or front of house environment who haven't seen firsthand the um, the effects of that pressure. Um, it's not uh, it's not like it's this dismal, terrible place to be. It's the opposite. There's so much going on. It's kind of like a it's kind of like the theatre, you know, because the show must go on. Every day you pull back the curtains and put on the necessary performance and get out there and get it done. And that's exhilarating. And it, you know, I think one of the most amazing things about being in service is that both front and back of house, when, uh, when you're open, the adrenaline kicks in and no matter how you felt before service, you always feel good afterwards. It's, it's a cure all that. It is, yeah. Um, it's a rush. And, but then, you know, Everybody knows what comes up must come down. And I think that different people handle the, the coming down part differently. And we're older and wiser these days. We've, um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're the grown-ups now, not the new kids on the block anymore. And we've kind of found our rhythm and made healthy choices. And we have a, a different kind of working culture in our restaurant to, to manage those ups and downs. But there are lots of... Um, people in our industry who haven't figured that out yet and it's a hard it's a hard lesson to learn on your own and that's why we wanted to pull everybody together and we didn't as you know you guys were there it wasn't like a big a big um, school night where we sat down and solved the world's problems but it was a great night just to be together and to touch on the issues that do affect us and just to you know make eye contact with one another and say, is everybody okay? And if you're not, let's talk about it. And let's not try and pretend that this isn't happening, that we don't. I mean, we, we, you know, there's the chin up and push on attitude, which is good because it's productive, but it's, it's not sustainable long term. Do you think that in hospital, that sort of attitude of just sort of pressing on and hiding if you're feeling a bit rubbish is kind of, Worse than that, yeah. it's um, it's actually it's not that that's the sort of the baseline. Mm. But um, more than that, there is an expectation that you should be working long hours and you should be push, push, push yeah. all the time. Always mm. be the best. Or it's kind of like I don't know. It's like the theatre and um, sports yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. there, it into each other. There, there's there's definitely two sides of that culture where there's the the people that um, you know boast about their eighty-hour weeks, and then yeah. and then you know go on drinking afterwards, um, and then yeah, I suppose we've we've sort of 
done that and <laughs> are exhausted from it. And um, I think we we had a conversation. I can't even pin my put my finger exactly when it was. It was like a series of conversations where we realised um, that there was a level of accomplishment and satisfaction to be gained in having done your job really well with time to spare. Right, yeah. And that um, if you can do that, you're actually a really good chef. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to take yourself to the limit for work every every week. Exactly. And, and I mean, you know, if you're probably if you're working, you know, a 60 hour week and getting a little bit more rest versus an 80 hour week, you're putting out better productivity anyway. You know. Better food, you're, you're a nicer you're, person you're, to be around, that's exactly. for sure. Exactly. You're, you're there for longer doing 80 hours, mm. but you're not doing any more work. Yeah. So, so yeah, I guess we, we, we sort of figured that out and we're working. We're trying to live that anyway. Some, yeah. some, some, some weeks are, you just can't avoid it. You've got lots on. So yeah. But yeah, it's all about moderation and, and looking after each other and knowing what's going on in everybody's lives that, that works with us and you know supplies us and um, just building a nice atmosphere to work in so that when something's up, it stands out enough that people would talk about it and figure it out. Do you think it's a bit of a problem um, in some restaurants not having a good working culture, not having a sort of healthy... Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it's it comes from the like the legacy of our of our work culture is one where there's a kind of a patriarch and that person has the iron fist and the you know the really potty mouth and they get things done by almost a violent attitude <laughs> and yeah, that was controls kind of, by fear yeah and that was actually really cool for a while and it's definitely not cool now mm. but it still exists yeah. In interesting to go back to anthony bourdain he sort of um he spoke about that a lot in his first book kitchen mm -hmm. confidential and then later um you know not so long ago he sort of uh, i don't know if you could call it an apology but he sort of regretted um he regretted championing that yeah. that culture and he saw the folly of that and spoke to how he would do things differently, mm -hmm. both as a chef and also as a man when the Me Too campaign came up, which, yeah. you know, nobody's perfect. At least he could acknowledge his um, his faults. Yeah. I think he was asked if he was a feminist and he wasn't able to give a clear answer. And then some months later he contacted that, um, that person, I think it was a journalist, mm. and said, actually, you know, looking at my daughters, looking at, my life and the things I've experienced, I'm most definitely a feminist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I what, think a, what an awesome dude to be, like, you know, like most, he, he always joked about celebrity chefs before he became one, I suppose, and um, because he talked about what sellouts they were. But how sweet was it that he didn't? And, you know, he, he thought about what he was putting out and he, he could have hosted a reality TV show, but instead he went to Gaza and Iran and you know, places and told stories about cultures through food, but he told hard stories um, and interesting stories. Um, and, and clearly he was, you know, he was very careful about what he said and very thoughtful and very eloquent and a great writer. So kudos for, um, for not, not doing the obvious easy thing. Which makes it really interesting to think about the fact that he took his own life because he appeared to have everything going right. Mm. Um, this obviously isn't a new problem in hospitality. Why do you think it was that Anthony Bourdain was such a, 
um, touchstone for everyone when this happened and, um, it, you know, it was the catalyst for you guys to have this conversation at Kazador? I think it was so shocking because I think quietly in the back of our minds we all thought if he can't do it, who can? Mm-hmm. Like if, if his a person as well resourced, as charismatic, as um, revered, as as humble and humble as as him can't get through. I mean, uh, there's complications. He has grappled with drug addiction. You don't know what's going on in somebody's minds, but it doesn't bode well for the people in the trenches. Yeah. And what sort of um, feedback did you get after the event from the people who went? Oh, we've had really great feedback. It feels like there's a bit of a a feel-good vibe going around at the moment and and hopefully that will uh, manifest into some some productive thinking and talking and doing around mental health. I mean, we didn't do the event to then sort of start some kind of um, system or mm, anything specific, but we really like that the conversation has now started. And actually, I was saying to you, Alice, before we started, that there were people at the at the night that we hadn't met before. Yeah. And it was really cool that this was the trigger to an introduction. Yeah. Because, of course, we've got our friends in the industry. We all have Monday nights off, so that's, you catch up with people that you yeah. can socialise with on, on that time. But we don't know everybody. And the fact that people came out of the woodwork and just said, hey, guys, we actually do want to sit down and mm-hmm. and and hang out with you guys tonight was really great. Yeah. And it, it coincided with a lot of other people doing a lot of stuff just recently as well. Mm. With, um, uh, there's a few events going on. There's, there's The one. Restaurant Association is starting, a, um, I think, a more focused group to mm, talk yeah. about mental health and maybe work it into health and safety policy, which is a, a necessary um yeah, training as well. Yeah. Um, and then also the Sick Leave podcast, which um, mm. drew my attention to, to that as well. So um, a lot of things happening at once is really great, you know. So Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe it's because of the the momentum is there because how because of how shocking Bourdain's suicide was. Yeah. And I think um, for a story I did last year for Cuisine about Chef's mental health issues, um, Marisa from the Restaurant Association said it was definitely something they're trying to focus more on. Mm. I mean, it's a terrible. When you talk about wellness, we're the worst. Mm. Yeah. We work terribly antisocial hours. Um, we probably don't eat very well. We're around a lot of booze, so it is a challenge to to be generally well. Mm. And of yeah. course, that um, if your fitness and your diet are not great, then the mind is not going to be in such a great place either. Mm. And, you know, personally, we have always been interested in fitness and eating healthy. That's fortunate. So we've kind of stayed on top of that. But mm. it's really hard to get someone, you know, get a 23-year-old who's smoking ciggies and drinking on a Tuesday night to get out of bed on Wednesday morning and go for a run. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, the, the little that we can do is um, is make sure we, number one, have a staff meal, which yeah. interestingly enough is not actually that common in restaurants mm. to have a staff meal before um, service. Otherwise mm. it's, you know, at 11 o'clock, which no matter mm. what you're eating, it's not that great. But also making sure that that meal is 
a healthy, balanced meal that's going to keep them going. Because you know the the twenty three year olds that we employ is probably the best meal they're going to get. Yeah. Um, you know, to, so and you know we want to make sure we that they're living right. You know, we want to yeah. look after yeah. them. You know, yeah. yeah, that's one thing that we can influence directly. Firstly, it's sitting around a table with other people, making eye contact, talking over a meal, um, and yeah, I mean we're talking about what we're going to be up to that night. We're talking about the service that we're about to enter into, but we're also just touching base with each other, mm-hmm. um, and we're providing a decent, healthy meal. And if you're a student, it's yeah. probably the best you're going to get. Yeah, I mean, so. but and we need to eat it five days a week, so it's got to be good. Exactly. Yeah. Before yeah. Casador staff meal for me, and every other place I've worked has been pasta, right. always pasta, and, and which is great. It, right? But it's it's quick and easy to bang out. But it's just it's just carb. It's like a yeah. short burst that'll get you through service, and then you deal with it yourself. You know, figure out yeah your own health. And I think that's such a big thing about food, though, is that it. Um, it does bring you together to talk about things yeah. as well, and that's why totally. those staff meals are so important. Totally. You know, as we saw from Monday night, that conversation, opening, opening those mm. um, conversations is such a big first step. Yeah, yeah. and that's what the new um, Lifeline campaign is going to touch on. It's going to be about the importance of being together uh, for a meal, which seems a simple thing, but I think it's something that um, as – our lifestyles change and as technology changes around us will become a less um, a less common phenomena and that's that would be really sad to lose that. And please do um, visit the Give a Little page that uh, Rebecca and Darius have set up for Lifeline. It's a really important, really underfunded organisation that does offer that um, ear, that person listening on the end of another Mm. line, and that does provide someone to talk to, which is really, really important. Mm. The shocking statistic from Monday that we all heard was that more people die from suicide in New Zealand than than die on the roads. Yeah, that's huge. really surprised me. Mm. And you think about how much attention is given to Mm. um, public funding and public awareness is raised around road safety. Yeah. Mm. And then this is this kind of dark corner that we don't address, we don't talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you think it's going to, a sort of dinner like this will become a, a regular thing ongoing? Why not? Yeah. I'd like to see that. Um, we'd certainly be happy to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's cool. And, you know, the, the stories that we just, you know, saying goodnight to people at the end of the night, it was just mm. amazing how many different stories came up. And, um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot more to tell. So. And there are other things like Coco's Cantina for ages did midnight yoga yeah that's right which was mm. i you know that that's really cool because yeah. it's again it's a healthy thing to be doing you can't just finish work like nobody finishes up their nine to five and then goes home at five thirty and gets into bed you just can't do that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you need to wind down yeah. and you need a bit of a little bit of social time and um a little debrief um but there's not much doing at 1 a.m mm. So other than drinking, or, mm. yeah, or just watching crappy telly, yeah. or just nothing. It's so bad too. Yeah, and it's you so go bad. down the Netflix hole. God, it's three thirty, and then yeah, well, you know, next day is not Start you're not very motivated. Yeah. So yeah, you want to um, you want to think of of healthy and productive things you can do at yeah. the end of your workday, and that's where the midnight yoga is so cool. And we used to actually run um, before we uh, had our baby. We often, not all the time, but often go for a, 
late night run. Mm. Oh, cool. Which is yeah. really cool as well. It's, it's lonely and cold there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not, you're <laughs> not going to do it alone. But it's still no, not good. safe yeah. alone, but yeah, yeah with company. <laughs> quite cool. clear, yeah. clear Underwood style. Yeah, yeah, totally. Exactly. I looked just like But her. she had a whole lot of bodyguards watching her footing, and meanwhile I'm like tripping up on pavement and looking like a douche. Yeah, the Mount Eden streets are not that flat in the middle of the night. Right, yeah. <laughs> but thanks so much for having us on Monday. It was really cool to come together, eat some beautiful food, and, and talk about some important things. Oh, thanks for coming. Which is yeah. what we're doing at the moment. We're, yes, we're, um, yeah. We've got a tribute to sausages. There's about... I can see four different types of sausages at the moment. Um, The first course of sausage is a classic Kiwi number, a real tribute to Bunnings um, (laughs) Warehouse. Beautiful buttered white bread. Uh, Bratwurst sausage and a breakfast sausage from Freedom Farms. And some sauce and some mustard. And any good sausage needs to be matched with a beer. And we're drinking today one of the um, really cool beers from Beervana, a North End Eau de Duck, which is from, um, which is a style from Holland that originates from Holland, like Rebecca. Mm. And it's both quite deep and brown, like muddy water, mm. but it's still really sour and quite sharp and light, which is really interesting. Isn't it from Belgium? Flemish? Flanders Brown Ale. Yeah, uh, right. Belgium. What's the um, percentage on that? Um, Alice likes telling me I'm zone. wrong all the yeah. time. <laughs> it's six point two percent, so yeah. not too bad. Yeah. So North End Brewery is in Waikanae on the Kapiti wow. Coast. That's awesome. And they're a really interesting brewery that do a lot of Belgian style beers. Um, they are they are next to us a bakery, and they have an interesting way of making beer where they use like um the yeast mm. that comes from the bakery right. so that makes sense yeah mm. they're super interesting um mm. and this is a very delicious it is delicious beer it goes really well with the mustard yeah yes yeah. and my um white bread such a ensemble that i have here I hate how white bread is vilified. Used it in the right way, it is such a beautiful, beautiful vehicle thing. for. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> what, about, what about an egg sandwich? Okay. Yes. Okay. What about to wrap a mussel fritter? Mm, yeah. yeah, but you know, an egg sandwich on a nice thinly sliced sourdough comes out the holes. Yeah, you got to well yeah, 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 true, true. Please. Speaking Time of experience, and a place. clearly. Um, you no, know, they're rare, but I um. Yeah. Yeah. Grandma's egg sandwich in Bunnings Warehouse. Mm. Speaking of sourdough, should I talk about my Glamorgan sausages or should we mm. wait till we're. No, I'm, I've tried that and they're so good. Can and I please like have a mustard with my Glamorgan? Sausage? So Glamorgan sausages are not really sausages, they're a Welsh kind of dish. One of those. Um, one of those recipes that was when you didn't have anything else and that you couldn't afford meat. So basically it's leek, breadcrumbs, cheese. The traditional cheese to use is... Oh, that's... No, that's a very fascinating history. The traditional cheese doesn't exist anymore, which I think is called Glamorgan. Mm. But a lot of people use carfully. Mm. Carfully. Beautiful cheese. Yeah, but I couldn't find that. So I used Cheshire... And um, 
I may have misread the recipe and I put all the breadcrumbs into the mix rather than saving some to crumb the mixture. So it's quite bready. I like it. But I did make the breadcrumbs out of Wellington sourdough from Wellington, which mm. I brought back mm. from my recent trip. I'm not sure you've done much wrong, to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's, I would agree. Really it's nice good. bready. And then I had some panko breadcrumbs in my cupboard, so I just used that. Mm. I think that this is an exercise in efficiency. Mm. No need to wrap. No need, yeah. Bread is included. Yep. Mm. And Rebecca, what did you equate them to before? It's like the the Welsh falafel. Yeah, I like that. Mm. They don't really look like a sausage. They yeah, more look like a sort of falafel. So there's nothing not to love about this. Mm. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. It's quite salty. Ever Perfect. since reading, you think it's good? Ever since reading yeah. um, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat oh, yeah. by Samin Nozrat, I've like really upped my salt usage. Mm. I, I think that, that the, the, the salt really is asking good. me to drink more of the beer, mm, and I'm right. not sorry about it. Yeah. <laughs> and Alice, you were in Wellington, which is a, I assume I you imported the bread from. I did. But you were there for Beervana. Was it a good weekend? Yeah, it was really fun. Um, Beervana, it's quite full on, but I had a great time. It was beautiful weather in Wellington, and I went down a few days early, so there was quite a lot of beer drinking in the lead-up to Bevana, so I was well primed. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was a good day. Um, you can read my A to Z of Bevana on the spinoff.co.nz, which is a very accurate rundown. What is Bevana? I've you know I've heard so much about it. I've never been. It I'm is, afraid of that stadium so much. Yeah, it's a big beer festival. It's part of um, Visa Wellington on a plate. And it's been going for 10 years, maybe, long, I don't know. Um, yeah, and it's just a good time, basically. Is it um, bigger than Gab's? I don't know. I think it might be. Mm. They might be kind of on a big... It always used to be the biggest beer festival in New Zealand, and then Gab's came from over the ditch. Right. Um, but, yeah, and the stadium concourse is not the, you know, most romantic or glamorous location um but i swear to good time it seems functional though like the does it work the stadium yeah it works and um in previous years it the concourse doesn't it's not filled it doesn't fill up the whole concourse but this yeah and i think last year it went all the way around so you can just keep going round and round and round <laughs> yeah it's a good time i'd love to go it's definitely yeah I'll definitely go next year. Definitely. I'm telling you now. I know, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. you have to be in the right frame of mind, like, you know, like you do those things. There's a lot of people and some... Yeah. You can get in the right frame Annoying of mind. Annoying people. Right, right, but you right, just right, got to right, kind right, of embrace right. it. Yeah. And there's some good food. Good oh God, no. no. <laughs> you want to get it, make your cutting duties easier. That looks awesome. Thank you. You're more than welcome to leave. <laughs> For the listeners at home, I don't know how to describe what's happening. Um, it's a, what we have is a sausage pie made by Simon. Oh, you forgot. Um, yeah, I think it's a giant sausage roll. Yeah. yeah. It's a good description. What? That was Rebecca, I just stole it. <laughs> what I think is under, misunderstood about the sausage is how versatile it is. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is taken um, the Freedom Farms, 
pork and fennel sausage and squeezed it out of its lining. Yeah. Um, fried it up with some fresh fennel and some celery and some onions and some garlic and then chucked it in some pastry. It's amazing. And mm. it's... It's good. Deliciously soggy as well, which is oh, um, yeah. happens when you take your pie on the train when it's still hot. Yeah. <laughs> pie train. Oh, that's great. There's so many things you can do with a sausage off and make meatballs out of them. Yeah. So this is um, this reminds me of and uh, we lived in Italy and in Mantova, the the regional speciality is the pork and fennel. So what used to be a sausage then made into risotto. Oh, so. As you've done, split the casing, empty it into a heavy base pan, caramelize it, and then build your risotto from there. Nice. Yum. That was so good. It yep. fits perfectly with the like the cold, frosty weather up there. Yep. Mm. What were you doing in, in Italy? Um, Mucking around for two yeah, years. Yeah, cooking and traveling and being poor. Mm. Mm. Um, it was amazing. It was such a good time. It, it was hard. Very hard, <laughs> but um, but we learnt a lot and yeah, just mm. had a good time. Good pork flavour in this um, in this sausage. Mm. Just coming back to that. Sorry. Good. More Freedom than Farms. welcome to talk about <clears throat> the sponsors. The sponsors. Right. <laughs> I'm just taking. Oh, I use Freedom Farm Freedom Farms eggs in my Glamorgan sausages as uh, well, of course. Mm. Very good eggs. And with a slightly mm. heavier food, we've gone for a um, hyper local pale <laughs> ale. From Fork Brew Court. So tell us what you think. It's good, drinkable. So I think Fork Brew Corp used to be called Fork and Brewer. It's another Welling well, a Wellington mm. brew pub. Um, and the brewer is called Kelly Ryan. He's like one of New Zealand's best brewers. He's very does lots of interesting cool stuff. Excellent pastry. It's too. not. Oh, what does it say? Thank you. Hold on. Australia Supermarket Freezer section. Mm. Okay. The pre made um, puff pastry is very good. There are a few things in the world that I think are just a little bit too hard to do yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, puff pastry is puff easily pastry. one of those. <laughs> Ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Puff cool. pastry. I used to think bread, but I've learned to make bread nice. and it's mm. been. Um, Game-changing, although Alice makes much better bread than me. This is, a, this is going to be an interesting list to populate. I used to think pasta, but Stefania taught me yeah. how to make pasta. Uh, and oh, you really live from the best. Easy. You just yeah. got to do a little, with a little bit of love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get on to the pasta making. They say the ingredient yeah, on, the, on the awning. Pasta and love. Yeah, exactly. Pasta and heart. Heart, love, you know. Um, yeah, puff pastry... It's just one of those things, you know, it's not going to make it home. No. It's very satisfying if you do, but not many people have sort of a nice big marble bench top to control the temperature yeah. <laughs> well enough to do a good job of it. Um, a question I forgot to ask at the beginning, and I should have asked it before we started eating, because it's the inspiration behind the name of the podcast, is do you guys have any dietary requirements? Personally? Yeah. Um, that the food be... Um, sourced ethically. That's mine. <laughs> it's a goodie. Mm. That's about it, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. no. No dietary requirements. Have you found that that question arises more and more as you visit tables at the restaurant? Does anyone have any dietaries? Well, no, not your question, but that people actually having things um, that 
they're concerned about? Yes, I think people are more conscious of what they're eating. It's not, and I think that they are more. Yeah, it's just more aware of different kind of ingredients. We get a lot of people. I think the most common thing we're dealing with at the moment is this, the FODMAP diet. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know what it means either. It's um nightshades. It's a whole. It's bloody like everything. It's very restrictive. It's like onion. You can't have onions, garlic, legumes. Tomatoes. Yeah, a whole lot of veg, fruit and vegetables. Mm. And I really it does kind of help a lot of people. I feel like if you took uh, out half of the things on the FODMAP diet, you'd still be... It's probably just being more conscious of what you're... I mean, okay, I can't really say, but I imagine being more careful with what yeah. you're eating generally is going to make it's you It's a bit of a joyless a diet, um, and yeah. it, I think it's really stressful for the people that are doing it. So I'm actually... One of my little list of things to do things is learn more about that so that... Because actually we have no problem accommodating dietary right, at yeah. We're really happy to work with... You know, our job is to provide a nice environment and nice food for people to eat. And if that's on um, the terms of, of a particular guest's needs, then that's what we're here so, for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I do need to look into it. But you can see the kind of fear in the guest's eyes as they relate to you what they can't eat. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, I worry that um, somebody's making money off this. Mm. Right, um, yes, yeah. Because <laughs> it seems a really strange lists of food mm. to eliminate but uh yeah if that makes them feel good it, you know it's our job to be um make it as comfortable mm. as possible mm. yeah in the opposite direction um you guys have put some really interesting food on the menu and helped um Aucklanders explore uh pieces of beasts that they might not have otherwise um known about where was the inspiration for that type of eating come from um it's just common sense, to be honest. Like we, um, we've always, um, well, my, my, I grew up hunting, and so, so I've always seen that um, in order to eat meat, you know, something must give its life, and that's nothing to be, you know, you know, that that's pretty heavy if you really think about it. And so, in order to um, be a responsible person in that cycle of life and death, you want to, um, you know, make make that worthwhile and, and honor that so um so throwing out, throwing it. something out is is, is is just off the off the cards doesn't so, make any economic sense it doesn't make any uh environmental environmental it's, just, it's nuts yeah. to have an animal and not eat the heart liver lungs yeah. bones etc and we we've been you know i've been cooking my whole professional life and i'm good at it and i can make something tastes delicious so it's your job if you do can't it. do it yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um so and 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 if that and and also there there is a buzz in introducing to somebody to something that they otherwise would have thrown out you know like um uh kidney liver heart you know heart has probably been the most fun to introduce people to because um it's not it's I actually would say reintroduce I think that this kind of eating just skipped a generation. Sure, yeah. generally, but I mean, you yeah. know, there are a lot of people that have not tried it before that I'm yeah. introducing it to, and um, and it's it's actually um, without the, um, I suppose, you know, the the um, the fact that it's a heart and it's got this, um, you know, all, all of the um, stuff about. <laughs> it's, a, it's an emotional yeah, piece of yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. So so with with if you take that away, it's actually one of the easiest 
sort of pieces of offal to transition into and that it's like it's a muscle so there's no textural oddities about it um although it's it's, it's slightly more dense than than um you know a fillet or, or or backstrap or something like that um but that's actually a real pleasant thing it's got a really nice texture to it so how are you cooking um heart? barely cooking it and sometimes not uh, Wait, we should clarify we're talking at the moment we're talking venison, venison heart, heart yeah but we do duck heart, 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 heart yeah anything so, heart, yeah. so yeah with venison we um we take the heart and we just break it into three sections take off the um membrane and just barely cook it um or often at the start of events we do it as a tartar um and the lovely thing about that is that because of that density, as you hand cut it really finely, it still holds its edges. So texturally, it's still it's got some something interesting going on, rather than those sort of really fine um, beef tatars, which are delicious in their own right. Um, this has just got that next level. It's got a real clean freshness um, and that really excellent texture. Um, so yeah, so introducing people to that and, and so teaching that's them not what I thought heart would be right. Like. Yeah, and and neither did I because I'd never had heart cooked for me or given to me. But I, um, uh, I you know, figured it out. And and same, we we did rabbit lungs for a while, and I'd never cooked with those. And we just you know we're going to use them, and we're going to figure out a way to make them delicious. And we did. Um, and you know that's that's one less piece of meat that we're throwing away. So did you guys not grow up eating awful? Um, I, I did, but it's hard for kids, to be honest. Like I, I remember um, we lived right by Cornwall Park cause I, when I was a kid, and my dad was eating. He had a thick accent when, when I was younger, and he would have this meat on toast, and I asked what it was, and he said it was lamb tong, and I didn't understand what he was saying, so I happily ate it, oh, and, being jealous of you know the fact that my dad was eating something different. And then uh, we figured out later that it was lamb tongues, <laughs> and that freaked us out when we, re- you know, from the sheep over the back. Exactly, yeah. So we we're hearing these beautiful little lambs calling out to us, and he had silenced some <laughs> some lambs somewhere. <laughs> we're my, like, my cousin, okay. who's a vegetarian, now used to eat sausages. And he would say, the poor Peggy, <laughs> as he put the meat into his mouth. Yeah. It, was, it was really it was conflicted. Really well, so am I, honestly. Like, I mean, to, to, I, I, when I hunt deer, you know, um, it's, it's not easy some days. And I just won't come back with anything because I don't, I don't want to kill some days, you know. And, like, it's, it's a hard thing to do. And as soon as it becomes easy, I don't want to do it. Yeah, definitely. And much better better that than, you know, how most people get their meat, which is just shrink-wrapped in the supermarket and they never yeah. know. Mm. Yeah. There's probably a middle ground that, that we could look at. Yes. Um, where there's a little more awareness and responsibility to be respectful of these ingredients, not necessarily in, insisting that people might go bush and no get it themselves. No. Yeah. But, you know, like... Yeah. To, oh, thank you. Um I think some of that starts with knowing um, more about our farmers. I think it was really interesting over the election to hear about this rural-urban divide. And I don't think it necessarily existed in the way that it was presented, um, you know, quite combatively mm. um, in the media. But it, I don't know any farmers. I, I know a tomato farmer. I know um, mm. one um, pork farmer, but there's, I don't know how it works. I don't know what's required to, I know an organic chicken farmer as well, but I don't know what it really looks like to raise these animals, to kill them, to process them. And that's hard work, I reckon. Um, 
yeah, really seat of your pants stuff as mm. well, I bet. Mm. Hopefully hard work. Mm. Like like I, I say. Think, I, I think there's different, like like everything, though. There are businesses that are socially responsible, environmentally responsible, um, just more aware of their impact on the world. And then there are business that, businesses that lack responsibility. Farms are businesses. And uh, I think you'll meet people at either end of the spectrum. And as a consumer... If you're able to know which to support, and if you're yeah. in a privileged position to be able to afford to exactly, make a choice. And this is the thing. Like this is, I don't want to. We've had this big conversation about the democracy of food. Yeah, and it's not as straightforward as we should all be buying free range chicken. Mm. We are very fortunate that we have the choice to buy not even just free range, but wild yeah. food. But that is a really privileged position to mm. be in yeah. game is exp- really game expensive is, you wouldn't yeah. think it like mm. uh, the, the the you know a, a, a hunter would get paid to shoot rabbit and then paid to sell rabbit so but but it's still really expensive for us to buy rabbit it's really 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 expensive which is just so weird um so so yeah it is it is a very pr- privileged position rinsing Alice's oh, glass. Thank you. Uh, we're moving into Speaking of game, Darius has made us uh, a duck and fennel sausage. Yep. Is that is it wild duck? It is, yeah. So I've got um, wild duck. Um, did you shoot it? Y- yes, I did, yeah, this season um, down in, in Natia. And um, so we've got Mallard here. Um, Trevor. Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this is like I, I've, I, I hadn't really – I didn't know how to make sausage and I just – Figured it out and just gave it a whirl, and we came up with this. I think you should last credit season. Brendan as well in the figuring. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Brendan, our head chef, also was very much a part of the um, the recipe here. So um, just and, and a little shout out to Brendan. More importantly, the um, the stuffing, which I'm useless at, but mm. um, we've just finally upgraded to a new proper sausage stuffer a big vertical sort of eight litre sausage stuffer which is making our lives much easier but basically what I did was I, I just employed um, you know my sort of chefing practices and knowledge to, to um, a pretty plain sausage recipe and um, so we confit the shallots instead of just adding them as chopped onion and we confit garlic and um, leek and, um, and yeah and sort of cut up some um, free-range pork back fat and mixed it in with the duck and we've got a really um, moist sausage actually like you know it's often you know that's the thing you're always trying to combat is is the dryness um so we've got real well generally generally of of Mm -hmm. sausages like right you're trying to keep moisture in there um so you need a proportion of fat um to provide that um and also we we went with not just mince, so we had mince, we had fine mince, we had coarse mince, and then we just cubed some meat up as, as well, so that you're playing with textures as well as um, as well as flavours. So rich and salty and mm. delicious. And so we've served we serve ours with, you know, I don't think it would sit well in the restaurant to, I mean it might, but white bread and <laughs> mustard. <laughs> but um, we've done a tahini yogurt sauce, and then we've made a red cabbage sauerkraut. Um, and real simple, I think it's just juniper and caraway maybe in there. How Very much nice. does Iran come into your cooking? Um, a bit. It's definitely there because it was, it was um, a lot of what I ate when I was growing up was 
Persian food. Uh, Mum grew up in Mexico, so it was half Mexican and then half Iranian food. So <laughs> interesting mix. Right, so, exotic. Mm, mm. so I was exposed to a lot of different types of food and a lot of different methods of cooking um, and flavors from a really young age. So um, I'm really comfortable blurring borders with my cooking without making it fusion. But just, you know, borrowing a technique from one culture or recipe and using it in another to bring out the best of a particular texture or flavor of, of an ingredient. Um, and yeah, Cazador has definitely got um, Middle Eastern flavors woven through our food, although I wouldn't say it's necessarily, you know, um, yeah. Persian or, or uh, Middle Eastern. Um, I haven't, I still haven't been to Iran, and that's something I definitely want to do, you know, to figure out where I come from and um, and to sort of experience the the culture through food would be a real buzz. So we need to we need to sort out that um, sort out a passport and get over there. I think sometime in the next year or so. Is it safe to travel there? Um, I think so. Yeah, it's that like or, or I know my Iranian family through Instagram. Right. You know, through their selfies, so so they're like, you know, this is it's it's portrayed as a pretty oppressive place, and I it's it is like, um, you know, for a lot of people, it's a um, religious dictatorship, um, which imposes some pretty awful rules on them. But they're they've always been a really um, like open country. You know, you look at images of Iran in the '60s, and they're you know, it looked it could be anywhere in Europe. Um, and uh, and there's still that culture that wants to um, sort of. I think the people are different from their leadership, right? Uh, most mm-hmm. for the the vast majority, I would say. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's got a fascinating history. Oh Iran. yeah, I've oh, been yeah. really lucky to travel through Iran. Oh, are you kidding me? Oh. Sorry. <laughs> tell me more. Some please. of the most amazing people and the most beautiful food I've wow. ever encountered. I'm really passionate about Tadig. Oh, yeah. Um, awesome. And I got to couch surf all the way through. Wow. And it was really interesting. I took a train from Istanbul to Tehran and it took four days. Wow. And so it meant I got to make really great friends with all the locals going home because right. Turkey is almost the only place they can go to holiday. My family yeah. are there right now. <laughs> um, and it was really interesting to see um, all these young women taking off their, ma- right. uh, their nail polish and their makeup right. and oh, yeah. um, putting back on their chador yeah. as they got closer to the border. And, right. You know, they're just wonderfully um, interested normal people who were so fascinated by yeah. what I was doing in Iran. Yeah. I'd be reading my book in a park and a group of young girls would come up and be like, what are you doing here? Yeah, right, right, right. And I was Sam here to eat your crispy rice. <laughs> and your soft serve ice creams, that yeah, is, that they're also. Insane. Is and everywhere. they're kind of stretchy, yeah. right? Yeah. But no, you must go. It's so, it's I know, so I know. I will, I will risk conscription to go. I'm, I'm, I think that's a worthy, Oh my God, worthy is that a trade. risk? Well, it's, my dad's always pretty um, much like, <laughs> Rebecca disagrees. My dad's always said that that's, you know, the 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 the, the way that country is ruled is if they want to take you, they'll just take you. You know, I've, I'm not eligible. I'm eligible to be passed over or whatever. You can you can now qualify for an exemption, but I'm, when we I'm were too old, yeah, when we were traveling, um, we went everywhere, but you know, we went all around Turkey, the borders, Syria, and, Jordan, Egypt. Well. As, as much as we could of the region and we didn't get to go in there because of that during that time you were 
Um, well, my name is clearly Iranian, and mm-hmm. I don't have a I don't have a birth certificate from Iran, so I think that makes me by virtue like illegal or something. Right. So if my name it's complicated, yeah, yeah, but it's not that complicated anymore. You should be fine. Yeah. No, do it. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll go Even if it means like. changing my name, I'll do it. <laughs> Just temporarily. John Smith. Smith. <laughs> I could be Jose Luis would probably be a bit more believable. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> definitely passes. Plus, it's got a nice ring to it. You know? Yeah, you got that Cliff Curtis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not Iranian. I'm Mexican. Yeah, yeah. And when I was in Turkey, I was Turkish, and Italy, I was Italian. So yeah. yeah. I never passes anything other than like <laughs> Swedish, Danish. Yeah. yeah. Not even France. They're immediately just like you're not French. I'm Hi like, Kiwi. <laughs> one of the things we do on the podcast I, I love how we talk about how we, like we've been here forever yeah, but yeah. This episode two one of our traditions we have um, a segment called The Last Supper and we discuss some of the interesting um, wonderful places that we've recently eaten mm. obviously we've talked about Monday night mm. where um, we were with you guys have you had any good dining experiences recently any last suppers to talk about mm. Uh, we've been doing a lot of family that counts. dining lately because our lives recently uh, got made uh, a little more homely by the arrival of our daughter. How old is so she? She's five months. Congratulations. So, thank you. It doesn't leave much because uh, we're working in the evenings and we've, we've got the two nights off and doesn't leave much time for... Um, <clears throat> Well, basically, we exploit our mothers to babysit during the week, and then they don't want to do it on the weekend yeah. <laughs> for us to go out for dinner. Um, I managed to uh, uh, squeeze in a work trip to pasture. Uh, a work trip. Yeah, yeah. which was um, a mind like a team building experience. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. since they've changed to the? No, yeah. but what a great format. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think that's really sensible. What's happened? Uh, so they've changed to. Six seats only. So 12 seats a night, two okay, sittings right. of six, uh, Thursday to Sunday. Wow. Yeah. It's the dream. Just do it right <laughs> for the people that want to be there. And how much does it cost? Yeah, how will they make it? Um, um, I'm not flight? sure. Well, it's not a cheap experience. No. Obviously, there's a, it's a very premium um, yeah. experience, but they, they'll make it worth your while. I think you can rely Definitely, on that. Yeah. It's and like it's, when, when we were in, and not suggesting that this is how expensive they were, but... When we were in the UK, we decided a few times to choose to go to a restaurant over going to Spain or something like that. Yeah, okay, and of course, okay. you know, there's no, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting they're in that Flights realm. Flights or but, a but, night out? Yeah. Flights, but, accommodation, and to put it in context, <laughs> flights were very cheap over there. But, um, but we never regretted those calls because we got so much out of them. But mm-hmm. it depend, you, if you're willing to engage with the experience and with the food, yeah. then, that's your thing, then right? you'll get something yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We that's talked your about thing. it last yeah. episode and, you know, some people are willing to pay $500 for Beyonce yeah. tickets. Yeah, and, sure. Right, right, yeah, right. It's right. just what you're into, isn't it? So totally. willing to do that for mm. 12 courses with the chef right in front of you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 and it's all, it's all about... Um, yeah, whether or not you're you you're the type of diner that wants to be led and guided through an experience, or if you want to, if you know what you want before you get there, and I suggest if you know what you want, you probably not, don't want to go to. No, yeah, I think you want to just give yourself over to Ed and Laura, and they just trust that they know best. Yeah, mm. in fact, do that generally in restaurants. Yeah, that's my, yeah. That's my that's, advice. Mm. Just, I think you're right. just let them take care of it. That's why you're going there, right? Mm. Like, well, no, like, not always. I think some people are going for a business meeting or yeah, sure, for sure. you know a sexy date. And that's where we need to say, okay, what are you here for? We listen to you. But if you're going there, you know, for the food and, and beverage mm. experience, then let the restaurant 
yeah. take you on that journey. Yeah, I think some people really like to control what they eat and drink. For sure. And this is the interesting thing, you know, because the we're at that um, transition in our, um, I think in urban Auckland, things are changing. So people are beginning to dine out more. Yeah. Um, living circumstances are changing. And so... Well, you know, maybe we're going to be like LA or New York where the menu is a sort of open for interpretation list of ingredients that you can merge into the dish. You know, I'll yeah. have this, Please, but yeah. hold that, and can you double that, and I don't want yeah. this. And, and maybe if you do eat up most days of the week, you, you kind of have to do that if you're going to take control of yeah. what you eat. But um, we're not there yet, so yeah. we can still we can still take care of it. I hope we don't get to that no. quite that level. And yeah, uh, even with my dietary dietary requirements, I you know I just say I'm pescatarian, mm. and if it's a good restaurant that I trust, which is mm. you know, then I'm I enjoy yeah. And that's hardly a mm. that's hardly a curveball for no, a no, restaurant, no. <laughs> especially with drinks matches and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like yeah, I'm totally happy to. It's interesting. My mother-in-law found it really hard to accommodate my vegetarian stage. Mm. She's a wonderful cook, and I'd be like, look, I'm happy with just the beautiful salad and the veggies that mm. you've made that is it's a great meal she you know of a generation where she couldn't work out right what i was doing yeah, if i wasn't having protein yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. That, yeah. we got that, there but that's the thing is and then you, yeah, she talked you out of it <laughs> <laughs> i just found it so hard as sausages. a cook having that part of my repertoire removed from the fun that I have in the kitchen. Mm. I was also sneaking meat late nights, <laughs> and if you're lying to yourself, yeah. Yeah, like, you I just think if you stop. like meat, then you know, eat meat, but ethically sourced. I reckon, or you know, do what you got to do, but just, just try not to be too vocal about it. Yeah, I mean, just do what you got to do. Yeah, so I was, was self righteous. <laughs> I stopped, getting, I stopped getting invited around to friends' houses for dinner as well, and that was a, wow, that's telling. That was another breaking point. <laughs> I, think it, I learned, yeah. I learned. We get lots of um, like worried people, oh, God, I'm a vegetarian at Casador, and actually I think we've got a lot, a lot in common with most vegetarians, apart from the vegetarian eating most, most nights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why I had never been until mm. Monday night, because... I was just like, oh, I feel like a dick going to Casador. Yeah, yeah no, and I think we don't have any more meat on our menu than any other no, restaurant. It's yeah. just where we get it from is different. But I, I understand that the, the excited, like, people enthuse over game and it being mm. like a meaty mm. place. But actually, and, and there's taxidermy, you know, that's, yeah, there's what, a lot that's of one major thing. It doesn't bother me. But, but it does bother some people. I can imagine yeah. it would bother, yeah, some vegetarians. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, a vegetarian that's or, or a vegan even more so that's willing to, happy, comfortable to dine, while the taxidermy stares them down, mm. they deserve to be rewarded with an incredibly delicious and thoughtful, you know, ju- equally as thoughtful um, dish or meal. Yeah. Um, so, mm. y- you know, the vegetarian or vegan option will never be a pasta or a risotto. You know, it's um, it's got to be far more interesting than that because we're chefs and, you know, we, that's... It's your job. If, if you, you can't, can't cook without meat, then what are you? Mm. What are you? That cauliflower was bloody good oh, cool. <laughs> yeah that's actually yeah. probably dinner for the, a couple of nights a week yeah. for us so Other what than... did you eat at pasture because we got distracted oh it was a highlight well, okay yeah so much stuff i mean there's so much it's just it's just everything sort of makes sense and everything is just so considered and clever um and the fact that they're making the drinks themselves means that it's um it's 
you know, this, the, the conversation between the food and drink is um, so much more intimate in that, in that the f- drink is finishing off the food and the food's elevating the drink. So that's going on. Um, and I think the standout um, was the fact that the, um, they made a sourdough crumpet. Um, oh, yeah. And then, that. yeah, and then the... Right, a veggie version. veggie version. And then that uh, was, um, yeah, um, I guess it was copper, um, so cured uh, pork neck. Uh, thinly sliced, um, you know, high high ratio of fat, and just letting it sort of melt into this hot, um, hot and wood fired cooked sourdough crumpet. Mm. Wow, it's epic! It's epic, but it's, and it's every like, yeah. If you if if you know what went into that as well, you know the the fact that you know we do a lot of curing at Casador, and we know that they would have number one had a hard time sourcing incredible, you know, um, quality pork and then cured it sat on it aged it controlled its humidity acidity temperature for three months to make sure that it it, it you know endures then you know the the skill of sharpening your blades be they you know a meat slicer or your knives slice it thin enough that it's not too chewy um, and then beyond that you know of course your, your sourdough starter mm-hmm. um, you know the skill to be able to cook a crumpet so that it's um, crispy at the bottom rises enough but doesn't burn um and using and using fire as your medium you know so much skill has, has gone into that and it comes out as something that you, you know without the uh, sort of the environment you could probably be mistaken that you, well you could you could if you don't think about it um you yeah you're missing out easy though, you know? yeah yeah it's simple but so, not so not simple <laughs> yeah i must do it mm, that's incredible definitely do it and you've got to get in because mm. they've got six seats yeah mm, way to make a special night eh? yeah yeah pretty cool alice did you dine anywhere special in wellington i did yes i went to two um wellington on a plate events Saturday night was um, Pomegranate Kitchen, which is a catering company um, where women from refugee backgrounds work. So they did a, a like a pop up dinner at a place in Island Bay called something Beach House and Kiosk, maybe. And that was really nice. I'd been at Bevana all day, so you know, but it was just a really nice dinner. Not really nice Middle Eastern inspired food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, such good people as well involved in that. Yeah, it's just cool, and it was an, yeah, it was nice. And then the next day, I went to a lunch at Ecos, which is a Greek restaurant in Patano. Where is it? Somewhere. I'm from Wellington. I should know. <laughs> is, how's that spelled? Is that I K O S? Ah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been, I don't think I've been. I haven't been to a Greek restaurant in. Yeah, it's well, since well Greece, relatively new. Okay, no, we haven't been. It's yet. near the airport. Is it Hatayta? I think it's Hatayta. There's not. You know, there's a big gap. Yeah, there is. Yeah. It's cool. It, they did a long Greek lunch. Nice. And it was really nice. Yeah. So good. Was good. Greek food is so Greek food. Not yeah. enough Greek food in New Zealand. Yeah. I've lived in Melbourne and uh, yeah. yeah, spoiled her. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's a Wellington guy uh, with whose family is from Cyprus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was really good. I know where is my last great supper was. Where? Culprit. Oh, oh yeah. Culprit. Yeah. yeah. Really good. Mm. Great menu for you, Alice, as well. Mm. Really sensitive. Kyle's yeah. fantastic with um, with fish, with his depot legacy. But yeah, just he is. really exciting, well-conceived, considered food in a really 
chilled atmosphere and we had an amazing Jura wine. Oh, nice. So Really perfect. interesting wine list. Yeah, very yeah. interesting. It's like it'll be at the more eccentric end, but it doesn't seem pretentious when you're reading yeah. it. So it's, you're, I think when a, when a list presents itself like that, as a diner, you've, you've got the confidence to choose a more experimental wine. Yeah. I took my parents to Culpra and I kind of was a bit worried. They might think it was a bit weird, mm. but they loved it. Yeah, very cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah, my mum actually took a whole work party and these are, oh, nice. you know, more mature ladies yes. going out for dinner and they fit right in amongst all the trendy kids yeah. going to a new place. So it's just yeah, good Your mum's pretty trendy. My mum's quite trendy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trendy mum. <laughs> I took my mum for her birthday to my very old haunt where I learnt the tricks of the trade Chibo. Ah. So I worked for Jerry for a long time, but on Tuesday, Fine Wine Delivery Company had a Pinot, Passion for Pinot tasting night. I read about that. It was really, really good, and I'd sort of turned my nose up a little bit at Pinot Noir for the last few years. I thought I was too cool for Pinot. No, I was too cool. I'm definitely not too cool for Pinot. I'm not cool at all. Um, but I thought it was had gone out of fashion, but I was so wrong. I got to hang out with... Um, who was there? Helen Masters from Atarangi, mm-hmm. Kevin Judd from Grey Wacky, uh, Jen Parr from Valley, where I tried a, um, I didn't even know they were making Pinot and Richie McCaw country in Waitaki, in just south of Kurao. Really, really. Is it in, in north? Uh, north, sort of northeast of um, central Otago. Yeah, there's some interesting wines coming from there. And I... Um, I'd forgotten how good Kate Faye's duck was. Mm-hmm. It's very good with a duck. Mm. Having a bit of a duck week this week. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't eat it. Where, do, where if I wanted to make duck for, um, you know, a Tuesday night dinner, where would I go to get some duck? Grain on butcher. Grain on butcher. She's next to Kokako. Mm, and um, so and like I I I was going around. I, could, I didn't have. I, I sort of got like a one or two day lead time for a lot of my orders because they're coming from down the line, and um, I needed something, a small amount of something, and it was kind of obscure. I can't remember what it was. It might have been heart or something like that, uh, sweetbreads or something. Anyway, I like pl- planned my day as a, and and stopped at a few butchers on the way, and no one had it. And then I I, I called ahead, and they didn't have what I was looking for, and then I just. Swung by um, Grayland Butchers, made a detour, swung by there, got out of the car, and as I was walking in, I realised I hadn't called ahead, and but but it was such was my confidence in them, and sure enough, they had it. Like, yeah, great, no worries. She will never let you down, but do give her a heads up. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. They make, yeah I've met the, her; she's really nice. They 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 make dry cured bacon. Um, they make their own bacon, you know. Like, mm. come on, they're doing they're doing stuff that all butchers should really be. And their ham, doing. I hear people raving about. Yeah. And um, sausages, cured meats, they cure their own meats. You know, they're proper invested in the trade and in the craft. Um, so, yeah, so very cool stuff there. I would always go there. It's, love having, it's, it's lovely having um, little own operators like that. Yeah. They still survive because what they do is so good. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Well, thank you both for joining us. We're going to give um, our usual co-host, Sophie, a call now and see what she's doing in Ireland. She's at the... Belly Malo Cookery School. Cool. Yeah, it sounds like it's... You should follow her on Instagram. Um, Yes, I should. Delicious Business NZ. Cool. Um, Looks like she's having a really, really good time. So we'll go to Soph now to find out what she's up to. 
after just one episode, we were abandoned by our co-host Sophie, who uh, decided to pack up her things, go on an extended holiday, and has ended up in County Cork in Ireland, where she's attending the Ballymaloe Cookery School, a legendary uh, school run by one of Ireland's most famous chefs, Darina Allen. And we have dialed Sophie in from Ireland now. Hi, Soph. Hi. How is everyone? Kia ora. How did you come to end up at a cooking school in Ireland? So, um, my friend Camille and I, um, who are business partners at Bird on a Wire, along with two others, sold our business and made the decision after that to uh, treat ourselves to five weeks here. So while I was doing the social media for Bird on a Wire, I started following, and I don't remember how, the Belly Maloo Cookery School Instagram. And um, it basically looks like food nirvana. It's on an 100-acre organic farm in County Cork, and the farm has their own hens and obviously all their own eggs come from here. They make bread in their bread shed every morning. They have pigs that they serve. They have Jersey cows that they milk and then they make cream and they make cheese. It just looked too good to be true. So um, I guess it had been a bit of a pipe dream, but it came um, came up and became a bit of a reality. And Camille said she was keen to come as well. So here we are and we couldn't be happier. How long are you there for, Sophie? Um, we're doing the um, Belly Malou five-week um, summer cooking course. So I think more famous is their 12-week cookery course, which is the full qualification, a chef qualification. Um, yeah. And we're doing this, the five-week sort of edited version of that. It's compressed. Um, it's, it's less competitive in the sense that you don't get marked and you don't leave with an official qualification. It's more like an attendance certificate. Um and they put it together basically to allow people that can't take three months out of their life to come to Ballymaloe and get the experience. Um, and that means people of all ages and stages. Cool. Both you and Camille are, are very good chefs. Um, you both love food and, you know, deeply involved in it. What have you, what have you learned about um, cooking and about your relationship with food that you didn't realise before? Look, Camille is in a totally different league to me. Um, she probably wouldn't like to call herself a chef, but she's one of the most competent cooks that I've ever met. Um, I think that I'm um, reasonably skilled in the kitchen and definitely had a few people say, why are you going there? You're already a good cook. But um, I think that coming here is a really wonderful reminder of how we we tend to cook what we know and we only know what we know. So... Um, there are certainly days in the demonstration where I feel super excited about learning something completely different to me. And then there are other days where I'm sitting there going, I'm stoked because that's exactly how I make risotto. <laughs> but um, I think that the place is, um, Ballymaloo itself is particularly special because it's um, there's a real respect for and connection for the land, the animals, the produce. There's a massive emphasis on sustainability. Um, the whole place is pretty much zero waste. So 
so there's a lot of, um, I don't know, it's like reinforcing the food values that we had at Veronawaya and that Khalil and I hold personally, which is really about eating good food and eating delicious food and eating things that make you feel good and that nourish you. And that's kind of the whole philosophy here. So it's pretty amazing. So you've only been there for a week, is that right? Or a couple? Um, so a couple of weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at the very beginning of week three. Yeah. Um, and the courses split up. Um, basically goes from the first week you arrive and you get inducted and do a tour. And then you um, have a whole lot of afternoon demonstrations. Um, that continues, and what we do is we spend all afternoon between um, 1.30 and 5 each day learning the recipes or watching the recipes demonstrated that we then spend the next day cooking. So um, we're two weeks in, and I've already got an enormous folder full of recipes, and I'm seriously taking notes because we're learning so much. What's well, one of the sort of things you've learned that sticks in your brain is particularly exciting so far? The buzziest thing you've cooked. Yeah. Ooh. Um, there's some really, really interesting, um, like there was a Burmese tomato salad that I made today, for example, and I knew as soon as I saw them demonstrate that I wanted that to enter the repertoire. And it's, so it's um, julienne tomatoes, and then you add roasted and um, crushed peanuts to it with lime juice and chives and coriander and fish sauce. Yeah. And then you and then you toast um, shallots into rings and you put them on the top. And it's like this amazing mix of like salt and sweet and fresh and the fragrance of the herbs. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely delicious. Sounds They're also good. really, really great on, um, on Indian food. So there's been a couple of um, lentil dishes that I've, hundred percent. I've got this folder right, and I'm putting like huge asterisks next to things. But um, there's a 20 minute dal that we made today that I made this morning. That you know, where you make the garam masala from fresh, and you push the tamarind chutney through a sieve, and you know, if you do all the extra things, the whole the whole motto of this place is that you do take the extra time and do the extra things. Um, you get the extra flavour. Yeah. Well- what is Irish food like? Have you learned to cook any Irish recipes and have you had a hands-on experience with eating Irish food? <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny one because before I came here and I said to people, I'm going to cookery school in Ireland, you could sort of see their faces changing and you could see that they were like, and often people were saying, are you just going to go and make potatoes? <laughs> um, but But in reality... We got here, and there are some things that are quite specific to Irish cuisine that I wasn't aware of. So, um, famously, Irish people love soda bread, and they make soda bread. So that was actually one of the first things that we did. Um, what soda probably bread? Probably on the first first three days of the course. I mean, if I was to if I was to speak unflatteringly about it, it would be what we call damper, but it's also got buttermilk in it, so it creates a a rise when the acid. Um, heat um, meets the alkaline mixtures, but um, we became quite fond of it after a week. You literally put it in a bowl, stir it into like a giant scone, put it on an oven tray and straight in the oven, and you've got bread. 
so um, it couldn't be easier. And Irish people um, eat that a lot. The other thing that they um, have emphasised with us is mackerel. So we know what mackerel is in New Zealand, we just don't eat a lot of it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people would put it in the category of, you know, like richer, stronger, <clears throat> oilier fish. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it, the way that they've, they've t- taught us to make it in a few different ways. Um, but we all had to learn to fillet them perfectly. And then they sort of lay them out on a platter with, you can either smoke it or you can fry it, flour and fry it or grill it. And um, yeah, there's a lot of enthusiasm for mackerel around here. They're little, and of course, right? potatoes. Well, I oh. thought they were. Like to yeah. us, they're sort of sardine status. Yeah. But they they get bigger here. Like right. there was a couple that I was filleting. And like with the smaller ones, the pin bones only go a third of the way down the body. But I had these larger ones that had pin bones right down the middle of them. Right. And so you've it, l- it's all go in the mackerel department. Yeah. And you've literally just come in off a commercial fishing boat where you've been out catching mackerel. That I have. S- that super hands-on experience seems like a big part of what you get at Ballymaloo. Yes. Yeah, well, basically they make us do everything. So we've got duties and we have to make the bread that goes on the table for lunch each day. I hadn't. I wasn't aware of how how much Irish people love bread. <laughs> they have bread and soup before lunch here every day. Um, and so we make the bread, we do duties, we go and take the, um, I mentioned earlier that there's no waste, so basically anything that, food offcuts, although it's encouraged that they're kept to an absolute minimum, they go into a bucket that then gets fed to the hens. Anything the hens don't eat then gets composted, et cetera, et cetera. So one of my jobs for the day might be to empty the hen bucket, or one of my jobs for the day might be to lay the tables after lunch, and so... Um, at the end of every morning demonstration, for example, we have to plate up um, for our teacher. There's one teacher for a group of six, and we have to plate up the dishes that we've cooked that morning. If it's an entree, we have to plate it as an entree, and if it's a main course, plate it as a main course. So they're really getting us to do everything so that we can experience it practically. So like my partner and I this morning, came in pretty confident and added some extra recipes to our morning session. And our teacher said, I wasn't going to tell you that you might have overdone it because you only learn by experience. So we made 11 dishes in three hours and finished half an hour late. So is it quite hard work? Do you get any time to relax? Um, I think that's the cool thing about it is that it's different things to different people. I can tell you for sure there are people that are absolutely overwhelmed and really exhausted. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely wouldn't say that it's a holiday. For me, it's absolute heaven because I'm surrounded. I'm just sort of hanging off every word that they say. I'm like a fangirl. But, um, for example, there's people here that have recently retired and they wanted to teach themselves something different. And then there's um, you know, younger ones whose parents have sent them here as like a sort of, I guess like it's a finishing school, right? Like go learn to cook. So um, the hours are nine to five, Monday to Friday. You can add on, you can go to the bread shed in the morning if you want to make bread every morning. You could um, sign up for fishing in the evening like I did tonight, for example. 
Um, and we've been keeping it quite low key um, Monday to Friday. We normally have a late later start on Thursday, so everyone will go to the pub. But it's kind of treated like school, to be honest. It's it's tiring and it's definitely um, comprehensive. Are you drinking Guinness? Alice, I've been thinking about this. Okay, so I was told that I have to drink Beamish, not Guinness, oh, okay. in this area. Yeah. And the brilliant thing is that although I don't really like stout-ish beers, you can get they, what they call a half pint here as a glass. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to at least once a week get a, a glass of stout into my diet. And good. I'll tell you what, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, it's good for you. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I mean, we have a three-course lunch every day, and then we try to just have salad for dinner, and then if we go to the pub, drinking Guinness is arguably not the best thing, but we're doing exercise too, and it's, it's education, isn't it? It's Culture. Live life. Sophie, exactly. Darina Allen sounds like the most incredible mentor. Can you tell us a little bit about her um fame and career in Ireland and what you've learned from her? Yeah, I think I think Darina is um, she's kind of like the Annabelle Langbein of Ireland in a way and I, and I, I don't know um, you know a huge amount about her in order to make that comparison but she seems to be um, a bit of a darling of Ireland and um, from our experience with her it's um, very well deserved. She's really, really invested in um, the the food world right from being invested and involved in the growing of food, obviously through to the serving of it. So she's one of nine children. I think she might be the eldest. Um, and her brother Rory is another one of our tutors. Um, I'll make sure to um, shine some more light on Rory in my next spin-off diary entry because um, – they're equally fabulous, to be honest. And um, Darina's basically um, been a pioneer, along with her husband, Tim, in the organic movement in Ireland. They basically live off the land and really appreciate and respect and are grateful for the wonderful produce that they've surrounded themselves with. So if you can imagine just creating a life where everything that you eat and drink has been produced and um, close to you and with love, then that's what they've created. And it's such an amazing legacy. Everyone here that I've met that's done the course or um, Irish people that I've spoken to about it sort of anecdotally just say, oh, it's going to change your life. Doreen Allen is amazing. Cool. You're very lucky. Yeah, yeah. It really, it feels... A lot. Camille and I are pinching ourselves, to be honest. We keep looking at each other going, I just I just can't believe how delicious this is, or I can't believe how amazing this is. And all of the extra bits like the um you know, the fact that Darina is hilarious and eccentric and opinionated and there's there's kind of a um a shared culture, I think, between New Zealand and Ireland in a funny way. And so that's just such a added bonus. Well, you can keep up with Sophie's uh, travels in Ireland on the spin-off. She'll be writing a diary from 
her experience at Ballymaloo. She'll be back next month where she will share uh, the stories from her food journeys through Mexico and America, which looked amazing. And you can um, keep an eye on everything she's doing on Instagram. Her handle is at Delicious Business. Is that right? NZ at the end. At Delicious Business NZ. And we look forward to having you home, Sophie. Thanks so much, guys. We miss you, Sophie. Missing you, but I'm going to bring all the snacks back and you're going to love it. Excited for snacks. Yeah. See you soon. (laughs) Yay. Bye. Bye. So we'll have Soph back next month. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Please tell your friends, tell your mum, subscribe on iTunes, and we really look forward to talking to you again. Kia ora e te iwi, te Ahe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.